Luke chapter number 2. Let's start in verse number 6. Luke chapter 2, verse number 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message, and may it be an encouragement to us. May it challenge and charge our hearts. Uh, to rejoice and to look at uh, the birth of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and rejoice in it in such a way that uh, it motivates us and encourages us to live the way that we should live, to serve the way that we should serve. And so, Father, help us as we look into this passage to learn some things this afternoon that will be a help to us and uh, to instill and to excite the zeal and the diligence of our heart in, uh, in praising you and in serving you with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse number 9, the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord. Now, we don't know for sure uh, who this particular angel of the Lord is. Uh, I do know that when the angel came to Elizabeth, Mary's uh, cousin, uh, to tell her of the birth of John the Baptist, uh, it refers to that angel as the angel of the Lord. And uh, Elizabeth asks him who he is. He uh, indicates that he is Gabriel. Uh, Whether or not this particular angel of the Lord is the same one or not, the Bible doesn't tell us that. But it's an interesting thing that, uh, at least with Elizabeth, it was Gabriel, one of the the archangels the Bible speaks of, or one of the head angels that has some authority. Uh, But I want you to notice a couple of things about verse number 9. And then I'm going to make a few observations, and it will hopefully get us to think a little bit better, and uh, then we'll, we'll uh, dismiss. But uh, as we look at verse number 9, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the Bible says this, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now, there's a couple of things I want to take uh, and, and mention about this. First of all, uh, it was the practice of uh, the chief Levitical priest, uh, uh, shepherd, to... Uh, go to the top of the tower and to light uh, a light whenever a lamb was born that was worthy of sacrifice. And we don't have indication in Scripture that he did this when the Lord Jesus Christ was born. But what we do have is an indication that there was a light or a glory of God that shone uh, in the night sky immediately after verse number 7 that tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ was born, that he was uh, obviously, he had been inspected and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in the manger. And uh, the Bible talks about that this light that was shining around about them was the glory of the Lord. It's interesting that uh, throughout uh, Scripture, the glory of the Lord is always referred to as a brightness or a light. And uh, one of the first references that we have of it is uh, when Moses comes down uh, from the mountain after having seen uh, the the hinder parts of God's glory, and God had put him in the cleft of the rock and had shielded him and walked by. And uh, the Bible says that he shone with the brilliance uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, uh, be careful of these guys today that talk about having uh, an experience of being in the presence of God. When they come back, uh, they don't have the same glow that Moses did. 
And, you know, they claimed to be right there in the very presence face to face with God. Moses just saw the hinder parts of God's glory. And the Bible says he had to wear a veil because people couldn't even look upon him because the glory of God was so great. Uh, but uh, also in the tabernacle and later in the temple in the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was, the Ark of the Covenant and uh, the mercy seat, uh, was filled with the presence of the Lord. And the Bible speaks very clearly oftentimes uh, that when His presence was there in the Holy of Holies, that it filled it uh, with His glory. His glory shone uh, round about. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we find very apparent uh, in Scripture is that the brightness of any kind of glory is always something that belongs to the Lord. Uh, when we talk about angels and we read in Scripture of angels uh, that are shining or in shining apparel, um, it's referring to them shining or glowing with not their own glory, but the glory of God. Uh, and the very, the, the very idea that being in God's presence exposes us to His glory. Uh, Moses was one of those. Uh, it was amazing on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible talks about when the disciples saw uh, Jesus uh, transfigured in His glory, uh, how that He shone and had a great brilliance about Him, a great light about Him. And uh, how that um, when uh, Moses and Elijah, who were there, uh, were also shining, not with their own glory, but with the glory of God. Uh, that uh, when the disciples said, let's build three uh, temples here, uh, immediately the Bible says that clouds came and covered the other two and uh, covered that glory. It's interesting in the Sermon on the Mount that the Bible tells us that we, it says, ye are the light of the world. And yet it is not our light, is it? Uh, we're the ones that take it to the world, but it is not our light. It is the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. A number of years ago, Dr. Charles Weigel was in Pasadena, California, and uh, he had heard of the, the world-famous roses that they have there, the gardens out there. And uh, those of you that know much about college football, they have uh, the Rose Bowl every year, and it's there in Pasadena. And uh, all the floats are made out of live flowers. It's, uh, they, they get them from the gardens there in Pasadena, California. And uh, Brother Weigel went to uh, one afternoon in the middle of a break between some of the meetings he was at, he went to go tour the gardens, and he uh, spent the afternoon just enjoying the beauty of them and uh, the fragrance of them. And he went to the services that night, and several people began to ask him uh, how he liked the gardens. And he was puzzled by that because he hadn't told anybody that he was going to see them. And finally, after about the second or third person, uh, somebody asked him, said, or he asked one of them, and he said, How is it that you come to know of my affairs this afternoon? And they said, Because the fragrance of the roses still lingers on you. It's interesting that when Peter uh, was at the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and denied the, the Lord Jesus, the Bible said that his speech bereath him, that he had been with Jesus. There are numerous times, a couple of times in the Bible where the Bible speaks of people knowing that someone had been with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the apostles were that way. That they took note of them that they had been with Jesus wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of you and I that we have been in God's presence, our walk with God? Here's the angel of the Lord. He comes to the shepherds, and the Bible says that uh, the, the glory of the Lord shone all round about them. And this presence, this glory, this glory of God that the angel of the Lord brought indicates to us that this angel of the Lord was in the very presence of God Almighty. By the way, one of these days, uh, our faith, the Bible says, will become sight. Can you, can you imagine? 
the moment that our eyes begin to see Jesus for His first time and, and put our eyes upon God Himself, to be able to see His glory. But wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of us that the glory of the Lord rests upon us because of our presence with Him, our time spent with Him? As he goes on in verse number 9, and Luke gives the account here, he says, The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And I would just say this as well. Uh, there are people that claim to see God or have gone to heaven or have seen visions of an angel, and they talk about um, uh, how that they are uh, very much on the same level and they walk arm in arm or they're, they're buddies and pals with this person and they carry on conversations. Uh, can I tell you, none of those are, accounts are true or accurate. Every time, every time without exception that we see uh, the angelic beings or, or spiritual beings from heaven make an appearance to man on earth, uh, we find there being a trembling, there being a fear that is a great fear that comes upon them. In some cases, when it's the Lord Jesus Christ Himself that has appeared, they are uh, undone, they cannot even speak, and they fall to the ground and they're prostrate. And I will say this, that you cannot draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ without having a better view of who and what we are. And if we begin to think of ourselves too highly, you can rest assured it's because we're drifting away from the Lord Jesus Christ. As we draw closer to Him, as we walk closer to Him, we'll have a more pronounced view of who we are as sinners. You cannot come to the holiness of God without seeing the sinfulness of our own selves. And here are these, these uh, shepherds that are out in the field. Uh, the Bible says when this glory of the Lord shone round about them, the Bible says that they were sore afraid. There was a holiness about the matter, about the issue. There was a glory that shone about them that they didn't have understanding of. And the Bible tells us in verse number 10, The angel said unto them, Fear not. And by the way, isn't it wonderful that the Lord always brings a calming of the fear? Uh, over and over again in Scripture, He tells uh, people to fear not, to be strong and very courageous. And uh, even the disciples and uh, the trials that they got themselves into, and sometimes the storms they were involved in on the boats, uh, He would tell them to fear not. And, O ye of little faith, uh, I'm thankful that we have a God that uh, brings calmness and comfort to our, to our hearts in times of fear. But I want us to notice something, and the message really this afternoon is a thought that struck me a couple of years ago as I was reading this passage. Because the angel in verse number 10 says this, Behold, I bring you good tidings of, notice this phrase, great joy, which shall be to all people. This, this angel of the Lord, whoever it was, whether it was Gabriel or another, uh, he said, this, the tidings I have to give, they're good tidings, and they, they bring great, great joy to us. And I want you to look at what takes place here. He says, For unto you is born this day. Now, these are the tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. He, he wasn't just saying that the birth of Christ was great news. He was saying the birth of Christ, because He's going to be your Savior, was the great news. It was the news that was going to bring great joy to all people. And this, this angel has a, a sense of, of excitement and joy in the proclamation that is being made. And, and within the context of the passage, I want us to see this. The Bible says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then I want you to notice verse 13. I love this. The Bible says, And suddenly, and suddenly, 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now, I don't know how much a multitude is. I know that oftentimes when a group could not be numbered, it was referred to as a multitude. I'm not, I've been to these living nativity scenes and places where they'll have a little stand and there's a choir of 15 or 20 people over here and they're supposed to be the host of the angels. But can I tell you, the Bible says there's a multitude of them. Uh, they were not numbered. And the Bible says that, that they came suddenly. As soon as the angel made the pronouncement, the Bible says suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And I want you to notice what they were doing. It says they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. I think this, this, these two words that are found here, and suddenly... Uh, give us an indication that these that these angels were, were were waiting for the moment that they could show up and begin to glorify God for this truth, for the for the message that the angel of God was able to give. Not just that Christ was born, but that Christ was born to be the Savior of man. These angels were so enthralled by this; they were so excited about this. The Bible says that as soon as the message was done, it says, and suddenly. There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. I, I, I'm going to share something that's my opinion for a minute. Okay, can I do that? And I may be wrong, and when we get to heaven, that's fine. We can ask the Lord. But I think, personally, that this host of angels were, were waiting with bated breath on a hair trigger, waiting for the announcement to be made so that they could come and do this, this wonderful time of glorifying God. For the truth of the fact that Jesus is born, not just to be born, but to be the Savior of mankind. And this is what I want us to grasp this afternoon in the message is this. This is a thought that about four or five years ago, I was reading through this passage and it struck me and I thought, what a thought. Here are these disciples, they cannot wait to express the message that Christ has come to be the Savior of man. And they are excited about this. And they're glorifying God and they're praising God for this. And the truth of the fact is this, that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Savior did not do one thing to benefit the angels. And they were excited. And they were glorifying God. And they were telling, they were they were sharing this 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 message, and they were excited about sharing this message. And the Bible says they were praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men." I don't know how long it was, but it must have gone on for a period of time because the Bible said in verse number fifteen, "And it came to pass." And every time I find that phrase in Scripture. It, it, it's an expression of an elapsing of time. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. I don't know how long they were there for. But it must have been more than just glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, and then they were gone. They were glorifying God. And here's the thought and the message I want to leave you with and we'll be done. If the angels who do not benefit from the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ 
can be that excited about proclaiming to the world the truth that Christ has come to be the Savior of mankind. How much more should you and I, who gain everything from the birth of Christ, be willing and excited and proclaim to everyone we find the Lord Jesus has come to be the Savior of man. Often throughout Scripture, the Bible teaches that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It talks about us serving, going from house to house, going from door to door, to proclaim it from the rooftops, to share the gospel and the message of Christ everywhere we go. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, we'll look at this as an obligation that we must obey. And we drag ourselves out of our comfort zones and say, okay, well, I've got to go tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. Where is the joy? Where is the excitement? Where is the exuberance of going to a lost and a dying world and sharing the fact that God has come to save mankind? To say glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Can I express to you this thought? The angels, when the Bible says we're saying glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men, we're not talking about peace between nations. They were talking about the fact that for for the first time in the history of man, There is now peace between a sinful man and a holy God. There is now a reconciliation that has taken place. And all the angels can do is say glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want to charge us as we get ready to launch into a new year that those of us who have gained so much from the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, to have had our sins forgiven, to have had the fact that we are no longer headed to hell, but now we have a home in heaven for all of eternity. And I charge each and every one of us to have the same joy and the same excitement, the same anticipation, the same chomping at the bit, if you will, that these angels had. I think they were like horses in the gate ready to go. I I took... my new dog out for a walk last night, late late last night, went down the road here. And as I was coming back, our neighbors, who just got a new little chihuahua, about two bites for my dog, uh, let their dog out of the door and didn't have a leash on him. He came running towards my dog. And, and I'm going to tell you what, if I hadn't had that training collar on, Brother Harold, I, my dog would have made a short meal of that one. Boy, she was, he was chomping at the bed. He was straining against the leash. If he could have talked, I think my dog would have been saying, "Let me at him! Let me at him! Let me!" Can I say there was a there was an excitement there, and I don't mean to make a little of the angel's excitement and joy, but the Bible says that as soon as the angel of the Lord finished his proclamation, that suddenly all the multitudes showed up. 
<coughs> this heavenly host that had been waiting, standing in attendance, waiting for the message to be completed so that they could come and begin glorifying God. I think those that have gained so much from the birth and the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be that much more diligent to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ than those who had nothing to gain from it. I want to encourage us this year as we get ready to start into another year. You can leave here this afternoon with this desire on your heart. Lord, I want to have that kind of desire to share that wonderful news of the Gospel story with others. I I want to be, Lord, let me go. Let me do it. You need somebody to share the Gospel with someone. Here I am. I'm right here. Send me. Let me go. I can't wait. I hope and pray that we'll learn something from these angels. I think angels are wonderful beings. But they don't understand redemption. And they've never experienced it. In fact, God didn't give them that opportunity. The angels that fell with Lucifer, God didn't die to redeem them. He didn't give them that same choice that He's given to you and I. And here these angels are rejoicing, bringing glory to God for the fact that He was come to be the Savior of man. I hope and pray that we'll learn a lesson from the angels, especially this time of year, that we'll recommit ourselves and say, Lord, I want to have that kind of excitement. I want to have that kind of diligence in sharing the Gospel. And I hope that will be a help to you. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. Just a simple thought, Lord, it's nothing extraordinary, but a wonderful message, something that we can learn, that if the angels were able to celebrate and to rejoice, to bring glory to You and to proclaim it to the world, to be anxious about letting the news be heard, then Lord, may we, who have 